Praise the Lord. Pastor Fields here. And you know what today is. It's Wednesday. And this is the day that we come together here at Grady Refuge Temple in Washington, D.C. And at Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx to go into the Word of God. Bible study night. Thank you for opening your doors, letting me into your houses and into your automobiles, wherever you are, uh, allowing me to share God's word with you. We have been in a series um, in the book of Revelation, the seven churches of Asia Minor. Our theme has been a letter from Jesus, and uh, we started in Ephesus, and from there, we went to Smyrna, there at Pergamos. Tonight, we're in the church of Thyatira. Let's, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you so much, <clears throat> and we're so grateful for all that you do, for all that you are. We thank you for allowing us to come together as your people on today. Bless us through your word, we ask. Bless everyone that connects with us on tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, we're in Thyatira, Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. A letter from Jesus, and we're talking tonight about the corrupt church. Uh, and if I were to use a topic on tonight, it would be Jezebel is loose in the house. Um. I know we started the series in talking about um, how the church is viewed today in comparison to how uh, the Lord views the church, how he sees it comparing to how we see it. Um, have you ever prayed about today's church, what you see when you look around? Have you uh, ever talked to the Lord about the things that disturb you uh, in the house of God. Uh, do you think God is pleased with what he sees when he looks at us? Uh, all these questions come to mind, uh, especially as we dig deeper into this uh, series that we've been talking about. And we told you that in this series, we're looking at the letters that were written to the angel of the church, angel in the church of the church, I should say, in Asia Minor. There were seven churches um, and from each church, we are gleaning a message. Now, I'm going to tell you now, tonight's lesson, I'm going to have to break up in two parts. We're going to be talking about that woman, Jezebel. Uh, but we've already stated that each church reveals a spiritual condition. Uh, churches went through throughout history, and we can even apply it to today. Chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation explain really the history of God's church uh, and where it has gone astray and what we need to do about it. Certainly, whenever God brings something to your attention, uh, it's not just for information's sake, but it's so you can make a decision, so we can do something about it. So, as stated, remember that the letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor are describing actual conditions in each church at the end of the first century A.D. However, it can be applied, considered prophecy, 
uh, as it relates to the future of the church. The seven churches were geographically arranged in sequential order. It, it, it betrays eras, E-R-A-S, of God's church from the days of the apostles to the end of the church age. And we're living in that church age now, this dispensation of grace. Um, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he begins uh, to write these letters to the seven churches. And remember that it is representing a serious deviation from the New Testament apostolic standard of truth and righteousness. And uh, don't be offended when we use the word apostolic. It simply means that we are following the teachings of the apostles. That is the foundation. God called 12. Uh, they were not only disciples, but they were uh, the apostles that were sent out uh, and they spread the gospel. Churches were planted. And John is writing on Christ's behalf for, um, in order to rebuke the compromise and sin that was in the church. And again, when God brings something to your attention, it's so you can do something about it. It was to call them to repent and return to their first love. So tonight we're in Thyatira. Last, uh, last week we, we took a break from the seven letters, but we're back in the series. <clears throat> and we're in Revelation chapter 2, and we're reading verses 18 through 29. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who has his eyes like unto a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts and will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, 
as for stated, I already know that this particular lesson here, uh, dealing with Jezebel and the Church of Thyatira, I'm going to have to break it up into two lessons. So, um, this way it won't be too long of a night. And so whatever I don't cover tonight, be sure that I will cover it next week. We're in Thyatira, and this is a letter from Jesus. And if we were to use a topic, uh, this lesson would be Jezebel is loose in the house. So Thyatira uh, was an inland city located on a major trade route. Uh, it was a commercial center with many guide or trade guilds, I should say, uh, little companies, little groups. Uh, and it was a home also of a very strong military garrison. So um, its patron deity, uh, which means they, uh, they worshiped idols in this society, in this town, um, I can't remember the name of the god that they worshipped. They would, but it, she was a warrior goddess. Um, so, in order for a person in this society at this time to participate in the local economy, a person would have to be a member of one of these trade guilds or one of these groups. Uh, and each one of these guilds sponsored uh, a feast to this goddess. So they were heavy into idolatry, heavy into mythology, uh, and it put pressure on the Christians, or those Christians that lived in Thyatira, uh, to compromise in order to fit in. Uh, now remember, there's, there's a woman uh, named Lydia who was from this city, uh, who was uh, perhaps the first convert of, of Paul. Uh, and it is believed, some theologians believe, that she started this church, this apostolic holiness church in this city. Uh, but the born-again believers in this town were under a lot of pressure to compromise. Because remember, you had to be a part of one of these guilds in order to trade or to be recognized. or um, And if you didn't fit in, you know, so, uh, example, if you went in in this society during this time and you wanted to buy some food for your family, they may ask you to identify yourself and uh, which God do you worship? Uh, which guild do you belong to? And if you were born again believer, of course, you said, I don't belong to any guild. I'm a child of God. I worship Jesus Christ. You had a problem then. Uh, and so... The Thyatira era appears to stretch uh, from about the 11th. And remember, we said it represents a piece of church history uh, from the days of the apostles leading up to the end of the church age. Um, so Thyatira era appears, E-R-A, appears to be from about the 11th century to the 16th century, including, uh, if we remember our history, the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation periods, um, which eventually would lead to the beginning or the establishment of the Roman Catholic Church. So the church begins to weaken uh, from that day of Pentecost and uh, 
men got involved and and made all kinds of changes. Uh, and here in Revelation, a uh, letter from Jesus, he's letting them know, I don't like some of those changes you're making. I don't like you mixing the world with holiness. So he's letting them know. So here we are uh, in verse 18, take warning unto the angel of the church in Thyatira. I'll write these things. Uh, saith the son of God who has his eyes like unto a flame of fire. Mm -hmm. I see all things. I'm the omniscient one, the all-seeing God, and his feet are like fine brass. So John gives warning to the church of Thyatira concerning a person who had embraced Jezebel's spirit. Could you imagine? Um how the church in Thyatira felt when they heard these words, I have a few things against you. Mm -hmm. God gave them a choice, remove the unrepentant Jezebel or suffer God's judgment. Get Jezebel out of my house or suffer judgment. Now that's something to think about. It, it, it is possible that the church at Thyatira, uh, as first stated, was founded through the testimony of, of Lydia. Uh, and we see that in Acts chapter 16, verses 14 and 15, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized, and her household, her whole house, mm -hmm, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, Come into my house and abide there, and she constrained us. So it's believed that uh, right in Lydia's house that Paul started preaching and teaching, and that church in Thyatira started right in her living room. So we also know from reading that those two short verses, Thyatira was famous for the manufacture of purple cloth, uh, and Lydia was famous for this. So she lived in Philippi and was engaged in selling this cloth. So could it, um, could it be that after her conversion, she went back to Thyatira uh, with the great news, I've been born again, I've been saved. But remember, in order to be a, uh, a part of this economy, she was part of the, that uh, textile portion of economy. She no longer was a member of the guild. I'm a born-again believer. I don't bow down to this goddess anymore. Um, so the church, though, by the time we get in Revelation, the church makes a shipwreck over the preaching, the precepts, and the practices uh, of women. Some translations or versions of the scripture render the phrase, listen, that woman Jezebel as thy woman Jezebel, Revelation 2 and 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest your woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my spirits, to seduce, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. There's a whole lesson in that one verse. Uh, but I won't get in there. I know I would get a million letters if I opened that, but it probably needs to be open, and I'm sure I'll come back to it. But if 
the reading is correct, then we would infer that the woman might have been the pastor's wife, the elder's wife, because he's writing to the angel of the church. <clears throat> she's called Jezebel. She's not the actual Jezebel, but she's operating in a Jezebelian spirit. Um, she's called Jezebel after the wickedest woman in the Old Testament times. So for a woman to be called a Jezebel is, is just as bad as calling a man Judas. So let's look and imagine what this woman may have looked like. She, she was probably a very attractive woman. Uh, no doubt possessed a very charming personality. She was able to, to reason well, very smart. She had a very persuasive tongue. And she had uh, very forcible ideas and uh, leadership qualities. Her husband, uh, listen to my notes, her husband and the board of elders ate out of her hand. Mm-hmm. That woman Jezebel. In one translation, it says, your woman Jezebel. And this is why some theologians are saying perhaps this woman was the, the elder's wife. It may not have been her real name, Jezebel, uh, but that spirit, the concept fits her like a glove. So this is what the Lord detects. This is what he writes uh, in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 2. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These things saith the Son of God, who has his eyes like unto a flame of fire, his feet are like fine brass. I see all things, and I'm coming with judgment. I know thy works in charity and service and faith. I know your patience in thy works, and the last to be more than the first. So, as always, he begins the letter by making reference to himself, talks about his person, his eyes like fire. Uh, I see all things. Uh, his feet are like fine brass. Um, then uh, he goes deeper. <clears throat> um, he says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against you because you sufferest that woman Jezebel that calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Um, so um, he talks about a few things in an opening. I know your works. I, I know your charity. I know all of the service of uh, things that you do. Uh, I, he talks about their patience. Uh, and he says, the last to be more than the first. But this is what he detested. Um, he opens up by, this is what I detect. He talks about himself. But I want you to know that you're doing something, you're allowing something in my house that I utterly detest. This church had become a hotbed for heresy. Four things the Lord says about the false teaching, the false teaching uh, and conduct within the church of Thyatira. Four things. Um, you have allowed this woman Jezebel. Uh-huh. 
which calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants. So she is the source. Uh, she brought all of this in my house. And it's, it's very serious because uh, she's prophesying. Not only is she prophesying, but she's telling others what to prophesy. You preach this, you preach that. Um, so no longer is it dependent upon the move of the Holy Ghost, but the spirit that has come into the church is now dictating what should be said and what should not be said from the pulpit. Very serious. And you're doing it through seduction. You're seducing my servants. You're manipulating the pulpit, my God, and causing them to commit fornication. Now, fornication, you take that in its real sense, in its spiritual sense, fornication, fornication. You are seducing my servants. So they were literally, she was literally uh, causing um, fornication spiritually and physically. And the stubbornness of the heresy. Not only are they committing fornication, but you're causing them to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And understand the concept here, because they were mixing pagan worship uh, with Christianity. So um, under grace, we no longer um, have to eat meat that's on the altar. But because they're bringing pagan worship and mixing this pagan worship, now they're, they're purchasing meat that has been sacrificed to demons or to idols or whoever this goddess was uh, that they're bowing down to. Uh, and you're causing them to eat things sacrificed unto these idols. Uh, so now you're dealing with a spiritual suppression where they're shutting down or shutting down the move of the Holy Ghost. People are no longer yielding to the Holy Ghost. They're looking to this woman uh, who is dictating everything now in God's house. God is saying, I have an issue with this. I have something against you. Hallelujah. Because you suffer this woman. Now, uh, the old Anglican English, the King's English, uh, in, in our dictionary, a way of thinking today, if you use the word suffer, it means to hurt or to have anguish. Uh, the King's James early English, the mentality or the meaning of it then was not only to suffer as in being painful, but it also meant to allow. You are allowing Jezebel who is calling herself a prophetess. You, you're telling her she can teach and you have allowed her to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols, my Lord. So the Lord is letting them know, I, I, I detest this. This is going on in my house. He said, I gave her space to repent. I gave her an opportunity to turn from this heresy, to turn of her fornication, and she would not repent. She would not. Hallelujah.
So this is what the Lord determines. He said, because she would not repent, I'm going to cast her into a bed and them that have committed adultery with her, those who allowed her to seduce them, to pull them away from the truth. Hallelujah. In order for her to seduce God's servants, they had to turn away from the truth and lay down with her. He says to them that commit adultery with her, they're going to go through great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. My Lord, except they repent of their deeds. And he said, not only this, but I'm going to destroy the children, those babes that were born in this heresy, those who said amen to everything she said and did. Hallelujah. She had her own children sitting in my church telling those other children, you don't have to live holy anymore. You could do whatever you want to do. You don't have to bow down to Jesus, bow down to this, bow down to that. Um, I'm going to kill those children. And all the churches shall know that I am he that searches the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. <clears throat> that scripture is coming to mind now. Uh, he knows those who are his. Having this seal, God knows who are his. Hallelujah. But everyone hadn't allowed Jezebel to seduce them. Everyone had not given in to this heresy. And he speaks to them also. In verse 24, uh, he says, But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan. You didn't play church. You didn't allow Jezebel to trick you out of your salvation. As they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, my Lord, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. So a spirit of Jezebel had infiltrated this church, and he uses the word of, you sufferest this woman. You allowed her to do this. You sat there and listened to her false teaching and didn't correct her. Hallelujah. You didn't sit her down. You didn't rebuke it. Hallelujah. She stirred up fornication and adultery in my house. Right? She seduced my servants. She's having secret meetings uh, with the elders of the church and telling them what to preach and giving them the prophecy and they're following her. They're allowing this spirit to dictate movement in my house. Hallelujah. Let's dig deeper into this. Uh, he's letting them know Jezebel is loose in my house. This is my house. This is my house. So in the book of Revelation, the Lord speaks um, to the church at Thyatira. And he says in verse 20, nevertheless, I have this against you. I'm reading in the different translation now. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she's misleading my servants into sexual immortality. I'm sorry, sexual immorality. 
and the eating of food that is sacrificed to idols. So um, at first glance, you might say, what? Uh, you know, what Jezebel are you talking about? And we, we sort of hinted on that uh, because we see Jezebel early in Scripture back in 2 Kings. Uh, so how can Jezebel be threatening now a church in Asia Minor? Uh, but obviously, the literal person, Jezebel, was not present in Thyatira. The reference is a prophetic parallel. Just as John the Baptist was called Elijah because he came in the spirit and power of Elijah, this person or influence in Thyatira was under the spiritual control of a demonic influence that was controlled uh, that same influence that controlled Jezebel in the Old Testament. So there was a type of demonic influence uh, in society and the church that can rightly be called by the name Jezebel. Listen to my notes. The spirit obviously existed long before Queen Jezebel, but she was so totally controlled by its nature that she has become its namesake in Scripture. Herodias, remember her? She's the one that had John the Baptist's head cut off. Just like Herodias opposed John the Baptist, um, now we have this woman in this church, Thyatira, who operated in the Jezebel spirit. Queen Jezebel, um, let's talk about her a little bit because uh, this biblical character first appears in 1 Kings, 16th chapter, when you have time, go back there and read it. Uh, and remember, she married Ahab, uh, king of Israel. The Lord speaks to him and says, you have all of these women in my kingdom who know how to pray to me and who are worshiping Jehovah. And you want Jezebel? He had to have her. Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbaal, right? You hear that word Baal. You already know there's an issue there king and high priest of the Baal worshiping, she was a Sidonian. Baal worship was closely associated with obsessive sensuality, sexual immorality, right? Which often, which often encompassed sexual acts as a part of worship. So you could imagine in Thyatira, what they were trying to bring in. We go to the Old Testament. Uh, Hophni and Phinehas got in trouble because they were having sexual relations right on the altar. With They were bringing prostitution in the church. That was part of heathen worship. So now, so you could only imagine what was going on in this church in Thyatira. Jezebel, as a daughter of this perverse kingdom was raised in an atmosphere where sex was a path to power and influence. So if you tie it into what was going into Thyatira, this woman who some say may have been the pastor's, pastor's wife or that lead elder's wife was seducing servants. She was using her attractiveness, her sexuality. She was very persuasive and she was usurping authority and taking power. Yes, it was a path to power and an influence. So remember Ahab 
Being the king of Israel, he was completely subdued and dominated by Jezebel. She introduced the worship of Astaroth. Uh, and, and when you look up Astaroth, Astaroth uh, had the body, the top of the body of a woman, but the, the bottom was of a fish, like a mermaid, right? This goddess represented in Canaanite culture by the moon was a power-hungry goddess of love and sensuality. So the priestess, uh, the priestess in this pagan worship was a prostitute. Come on, let's talk about it. Uh, and she would fill her shrines and serviced her worshipers, serviced her worshipers. So you would go in and worship and the goddess would service you. Prostitution. So it was a way of raising money for the temple too. My Lord. So the lure of these legal, uh, readily available, erotic encounters was more than the men of Israel could resist. So you imagine, and, and you know, a lot of times preachers won't really get into the nitty gritty of it, uh, but the Old Testament. So when Hophni and Phinehas were having intercourse on the altar, they had a prostitution ring. It was part of heathen worship, Canaanite worship, Baal worship. Uh, so here, the Sidonians, uh, they had all of this mixed in their part of worship. So there was a lot of pressure in Thyatira. Uh, so could, you could imagine the pressure in the church of Thyatira where this woman was using seduction, sexual favors, setting them up with, with prostitutes. All of this may have been going on in the church of Thyatira, right? So by Jezebel's influence, 10 million, listen, when you read the Old Testament, it says 10 million Israelites left the worship of God for Baal, chasing behind prostitution and sexual immorality to worship the God for Baal and Ashtaroth. Only 7,000 people in the entire nation were not swayed by her control. So you compare 10 million Israelites left worshiping Jehovah to worship Baal because of the sensuality and the attractiveness, uh, the luring of their flesh, and only 7,000 were left in the entire nation that were not swayed by this woman's control. Wow, you say. So let's talk about the characteristics of the Jezebel spirit because the Jezebel spirit seeks control through manipulation. It has a deep hatred. Listen to my notes. This spirit has a deep hatred for true spiritual authority. It uses emotional pressure. It uses witchcraft and obsessive sensuality in its pursuit for power. Just wants to be in control. Preach what I preach. Say what I say. Do what I say do. And push God out of the picture, and it uses flesh, seduction. It uses subtle persuasion to gain influence, to get close to those who are in control. Then uses this position to gradually dominate. And before you know it, Jezebel is running the church. My Lord. 
So listen, in the Hebrew, the name Jezebel literally means without cohabitation. Um, I found another meaning for it, to be chasteless. Uh, she will not live or cohabit. She has to be the main attraction, in control. Mm-hmm. And she'll do anything she has to do to get it. With those she cannot dominate and control, um, she'll try to destroy. Mm -hmm. She will have no equals. Control is what Jezebel wants more than anything. Even when Jezebel appears to be submissive, it's usually out of a carefully wrought plan to gain influence. We're going to dig deep into this, and I already know I'm not going to be able to um, to give it all in one night, but... Um, she likes, the spirit likes to appear close to leadership uh, and use their influence. She likes to use the power and influence of others to accomplish her goals mm -hmm. and control her environment. First Kings 21, uh, I'll read verses eight and nine. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in his city dwelling with Naboth. Now, this, this is a piece where, remember, Naboth's vineyard, and um, she wants this property, and Ahab doesn't want to mess with Naboth. She said, I'll take care of it, right? So she uses the king's signature, uh, and she wrote in the letters saying, proclaim a fast. Now she's appearing religious and spiritual. Right, set Naboth on high among the people. So if we're reading, she writes letters in Ahab's name and seals them with the king's seal and sends them to the elders and nobles of the city. Uh, and this was a typical move, a Jezebelian move. She prefers to remain concealed in the background, but she's pulling the strings mm -hmm. while she manipulates situations and leaderships. And she's often associated with pleasure, especially sexual pleasure. And she'll use any form of sensuality uh, at her disposal to gain influence and control. Mm -hmm. Make no mistake, control is what the spirit wants. Lusts and um, all this sensuality are just tools that she's using or the spirit is using, but control is what the spirit wants in, other, in order to, to manage her goals or to do whatever she wants to do. She'll use whatever tool is at her disposal. Um, and in many cases, uh, well, I, I, I won't go there. We may have children watching. Uh, but I need to get into this because Jezebel is loose in the house and uh, the greatest enemy of this spirit that we're talking about is true spiritual authority. Remember in the Old Testament when Jezebel opposed Elijah, uh, Herodias opposed John the Baptist. So Jezebel today opposes righteous authority, holy spiritual authority. In her heart, she despises all moral authority. So let's talk about it because not only uh, it's all in society, 
right? The spirit in America today. Um, Jezebel is arrogant. It's an arrogant, angry spirit. It's that spirit, that same spirit that that we're in in uh, in the Senate. That's in the Senate voting uh, for abortion, right? Crying out, "It's my choice. Don't let don't don't tell me what to do. This is my body." That's that's Jezebel talking, killing all of these children, all of these unborn children. She's cleverly manipulating debates and positioning herself behind legislation, uh, behind seats of power to accomplish her goal of control. She is the power behind the rebirth, all this witchcraft in our culture emerging, right? All these movies, all this, all this stuff, right? You have to be careful. Jezebel is behind all that Jezebelian spirit, right? witchcraft in our culture. She calls to millions of teenagers uh, via all these popular m movies that you see, uh, music telling them uh, that new age witchcraft mentality. Uh, you'll have power if you do this, right? She is the force behind all these psychic hotlines, mm -hmm, which control and manipulate millions of people. She's also that spirit at the center of Hollywood. Jezebel is the reason why so many homosexuals are drawn to the in entertainment industry, desperately seeking recognition and acceptance. So um, let's talk about it in the attempt to weaken righteous leadership. Jezebel is the force that draws millions of Christian men into hours of pornography, of of television, uh, all of this uh, sensual, sexual stuff. Uh, and that includes leaders, pastors, preachers. You'll be surprised how many preachers and pastors have been lured into pornography. She's behind the explosion of internet pornography. She's luring men of God into secret lives of bondage, hallelujah, and condemnation. Those some men uh, who are powerful prayer warriors now are too ashamed to even sneak into the prayer room uh, because of this, this spirit that is luring them and, and sucking the influence out of them, right? So um, listen to my notes. They have been reduced to being eunuchs of Jezebel. Men with the calling of David have become pleasure-shackled Ahabs. Hallelujah. And God still wants to free. He wants to free the leadership from this spirit of Jezebel. This is why what he tells the church in Thyatira, repent. You've allowed this spirit to come in, repent, turn against it. Get Jezebel out of my house. Now, uh, I, I have to put here now because we keep saying she, she, she. Um, but I want you to know uh, it's, it's a spirit. And there are men who have this Jezebelian mentality, this, this Jezebel spirit, this, this control uh, it, it is 
it is, I, I'm looking for the right word to use. Uh, but let's, let's go further. Jezebel in the church, because uh, we, we just got a glimpse of it in society. It, but um, I'm wondering why does Jezebel of this spirit feel so comfortable in the church? Right. I'm, I'll read First Kings again, 21 and 9. Uh, she says, uh, proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in prominent place among the people. Hallelujah. But seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them testify that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. This was the plan. But she puts the plan underneath being spiritual. Call a fast. Call a prayer meeting, right? But and, and under the guise of the prayer meeting and the fast, uh, set Naboth on high among the people and put two men, sons of Belial. So she would, underneath the guise of the fast, she gets two false witnesses to say, that uh, Naboth blasphemed against God and the king and then take him out and stone him and kill him. So she has a heart of ice. My God, in order to gain control of Naboth's vineyard under the pretense of a fast. So she was able to seem religious, but there was always a personal agenda. Um, there's a story in the book of Proverbs, chapter 7, uh, talks about a woman who lures a foolish young man, um, and she says something like this, I just finished making my peace offerings and have come looking for you. And she made sure he knew she was a good religious woman, but she seduces him. Mm -hmm. She lures him in with with trying to appear spiritual, but her motive was to seduce him. Likewise, Jezebel doesn't let her sin keep her from church. She brings her sin right up in the house of God and flaunts it and uses it to influence and to gain influence over leadership. So um, this spirit will manifest itself oftentimes among the most spiritual people, right? Uh, among the most spiritual people in the church, she'll come and sit right among them. <laughs> and um, listen, uh, that spirit will attempt to get close to the pastor and other leaders with flattery. She'll attempt to gain confidence, right? And, um, the Bible says in Revelation, she called herself a prophetess. So uh, she'll oftentimes try to manipulate and influence others with her spirituality, her deepness, her truths, right? Uh, which will usually result in condemnation and burdens for those who are in her care they'll eventually feel the burden and the wickedness of what they're doing. But um, listen to my notes. If the pastor like Elijah sees and opposes her deceptions, he will find himself in the fight of his life. He may find himself unemployed. <laughs> She'll get the pastor fired or unseated, right? Because the goal is to get control. 
Many a pastors have unwittingly had this spirit of control drive out his godly leadership. So Jezebel, this, this spirit, it wants to turn the church upside down. It has no effect. No one will get saved as far as true salvation is concerned. Right? Um, so um, the same controlling spirit may manifest in very different, even opposite ways. For example, uh, listen to Manosa, controlling, super spiritual, self-righteous, manipulative mother in the church, the kind that wants to run the church. So it, it could show up anywhere, not just in the pulpit. It can show up in the choir. It, it can show up in the kitchen, right? Uh, but the, the burden of the spirit is to gain control and to manipulate uh, it will often be horrified um, or, or act surprised when the offspring of this spirit comes up and, and the offspring acts worse than, than the original or the originator of this spiritual move, the, the children. This is why God said, I'm going to kill the children because the children are going to be worse than her, right? Hallelujah. My Lord. So we, we have to be careful here. And my, my mind is racing uh, right now because this, this spirit is, has wreaked havoc in Thyatira. And the Lord is telling them, you all need to repent. You need to put this spirit out. You allowed this woman Jezebel that calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my spirits. To, to seduce, rather, my servants to commit fornication and eat things sacrificed unto idols. Hallelujah. So now uh, what this spirit had brought in to Thyatira was demonic depression and loss of vision. Listen to my notes. For seven years, God carefully protected Elijah. God fed him in the wilderness. And when Ahab's army sought to kill Elijah, they were then unable to lay a finger on him for seven years. But finally, he has a showdown. Remember Mount Carmel? He calls fire down from heaven and uh, the prophets of Baal are destroyed. The prophets that sat at the table of Jezebel are destroyed, right? Uh, he was a man. For, he was a man of the hour. He was vindicated. He was victorious. But as soon as Jezebel sends word to Elijah that I'm going to destroy you, just like you destroyed my prophets, uh, he suddenly turns and runs, goes to the desert. He's anxious. He becomes depressed. This this is the result uh, of of this Jezebelian spirit. Uh, and instead of standing against her, he runs. And now he's anxious, he's depressed, he's miserable, and he wants to die. Think about this. It makes absolutely no sense. Elijah enjoyed supernatural protection for seven years. He watched fire come down from heaven. He defeats his enemies. But when a single angry woman threatens him one time, he loses every shred of his vision and runs. He moaned in self-pity and depression, and he's begging God to take his life. So this is a great example 
uh, of Jezebel's uh, demonic power. She intimidates, she creates fear and causes leadership to withdraw, to run away. She steals, she's a vision stealer. She'll even make uh, the leadership depressed and anxious when there's nothing really significant to be anxious about. You've already won the victory, hallelujah. But she is a vision stealer, right? She uses witchcraft to attack key leadership. Uh, she targets through intimidation. And listen to my notes. Those under attack may awaken one morning to find it. Its effects just, uh, it, it's hard even just to breathe because she's been working her stuff, doing whatever she does. Uh, she's a joy killer. All of this was going on in the church of Thyatira. She had declared war on godly leadership. Uh, and and so we're using we're using the Jezebel Elijah syndrome or example. So uh, that war, that fights, uh, that conflict is still going on. Hallelujah. It was happening in Thyatira. Hallelujah. My God. My God. So the, 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 all of a sudden, the leadership loses its, its zeal to fight against sin. So let, let's go back. Let's go back and dig into it a little bit more. And then I'll close out. And the things that I missed this week, I promise I'll pick them up for next week because I didn't want to hold you too long. But let's go back to the main text of our lesson, Revelation 2 and 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So uh, this spirit had literally wreaked havoc in this church. Yeah. Uh, and God is letting them know you've got to get rid of this spirit. You've got to shut it down. So we've got to rid ourselves. If, if we're going to trample the spirit out, we have to rid ourselves of Jezebel's ways. We can't cast out lust when we harbor lust in our lives. We can't cast out sexual immorality or uh, tolerance of sin in uh, others, if we can't, if we can't control it within ourselves, we can't bring down the spirit of control. If we ourselves are using control and manipulation and hype to control congregations and people in our auxiliaries, nope. We've got to examine our own ways. Come on, he says, repent, and repent means a whole lot more than saying I'm sorry. So obviously, they were doing something that made this spirit feel like I can sit here as long as I want. So they had to repent. Mm -hmm. We've got to examine our own ways and repent for allowing this Jezebel spirit to come up in the house of God. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I say it's not just a woman thing. There are men who have this spirit as well. So I don't want you all to think I'm beating up on the women. Second, 
it takes a, a Jehu. Remember Jehu in the Old Testament? Although Elijah was Jezebel's enemy, it took Jehu to trample Jezebel out. Uh, he took no prisoners. No. Uh, Jehu took no prisoners and showed no mercy to Jezebel. I'm looking for something where I can... Uh, okay. And uh, he approached... He approaches Jezreel when you read 2 Kings. By the time we get to 2 Kings around the ninth chapter, I'll find it for you. Uh, and then we'll get ready to wind down. Um, 2 Kings, uh huh, the ninth chapter. And uh, I said the 20th verse. Um, he, he was deliberate. He was on a mission. God told him, get rid of this Jezebel. Uh, as he approached Jezreel, those who saw his chariot noted that he drives furiously. And the watchman told, saying, He came even unto them, and cometh not again, and driving like as the driving of Jehu the son of Nimshi, for he driveth furiously. So he was focused. I've got to get rid of this spirit. And when others offered peace and compromise, Jehu responded, How can there be peace? As long as the harlotries and witchcrafts of Jezebel are many. That's the 22nd verse, chapter 9, 2 Kings. And it came to pass, listen, when Joram saw Jehu that he said, is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, what peace? So long as the whoredoms of thy mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many. So there are those who are going to try to sympathize with Jezebel. Uh, because she's going to have children. She's going to have members. The spirit is going to have supporters. Uh, and Jehu, he did not take time to entertain the conversation. He said, how could there be peace as long as the practices of Jezebel are still taking place among the people of God? So he wouldn't rest until Jezebel was dead. Her pleasures could not attract him. She got all dressed up and right and, and looks out the window. She's batting her eyes. She's trying to seduce him, uh, many say, uh, but he wouldn't even give in to that. My Lord. So Jesus is saying in verse 20 of the book of Revelation that uh, we cannot tolerate Jezebel. No. We cannot. He says, uh, I, this is what I have against you because you allow Jezebel and we shouldn't tolerate Jezebel. She called herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants. But we have to learn. Listen to my notes. We, we must learn the prophetic power of the word no. So that means there are a whole lot of people in Thyatira, in the church of Thyatira, who were saying yes to Jezebel's, this Jezebel spirit's seductive suggestions. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they were giving ground to it. But you've got to say no, no, it's not pleasing to God. No, it's not unto holiness. No, it's not what God wants. So when Jezebel attempts to captivate Jehu, I'm flip-flopping be, between Revelation and Kings. Uh, he didn't even allow himself to be drawn into conversation with her. Instead, 
Remember what he does? He tells the eunuchs, throw her down from the balcony. Those that Jehu anointed will call to Jezebel's emasculated slaves. My God, listen to my notes. Those with the Jehu anointing, those who are determined not to allow this spirit to dictate or to rule, right, will call to Jezebel's emasculated slaves, and they too will cast her down. So he's telling them to stand up to the spirit. Don't, don't let the spirit dictate in my house and seduce you. She's, she's pulling you away from true worship. Hallelujah. True holiness. I'm getting ready to close, but there, I, I want to share some traits of this spirit uh, that has infiltrated the church of Thyatira and in some congregations. This spirit is loose. Um, and I want to say this again, although the Jezebel spirit seems to be more uh, prevalent in women, there's no doubt that it functions just as proficiently through men. I need to say that. Uh, I need to say it. I'll say it one more time. Um, although Jezebel, uh, this Jezebel spirit seems to be more prevalent in women, there's no doubt that it functions just as proficiently through men. So, um, I'm going to go through 10 traits and then I'll let you go. The first trait of the spirit, it refuses to admit guilt or wrong. Well, so a Jezebel spirit is never wrong unless it is temporary uh, or temporary admittance of guilt. And it's only to gain favor, only to throw you off guard. Um, because to accept responsibility would violate the core of uh, insecurity and pride from which the spirit operates. When a Jezebel apologizes, it's never in true repentance <laughs> or acknowledgement of wrongdoing, but rather, I'm sorry. Listen, the spirit will say, I'm sorry your feelings are hurt. But she's not going to, the spirit is not going to take responsibility for the damage. Spirit also, number two, takes credit for everything. While a strong trait of Jezebel is never to take responsibility for the wrong activities or behavior, the spirit also is quick to take credits for benefits. And I'll stop saying she so much. I'll say he sometimes. Uh, for which he contributed no effort. Number three, the spirit uses people to accomplish its agenda, meaning the Jezebel spirit lets others do the dirty work. Then the Jezebel spirit gets another person's emotions stirred up, then lets that person go into a rage, stirring up strife. So Jezebel sits back looking innocent, saying, who, me? What did I do? <laughs> this behavior makes it difficult for even the most uh, ardent truth seeker to pin her down. So Jezebel is clever in her or his agenda. Number four, the spirit withholds information. 
This is a form of control. A Jezebel wields power over you by knowing something you don't know in the situation. So in the eyes of Jezebel, having information you don't have is a powerful weapon of control. Number five, the spirit talks in confusion. Yes, it is impossible to have a logical, decent conversation with someone who is operating in a Jezebel spirit. No, she's Jezebel. The spirit has its own logic. So um, as an example, uh, there was a six page letter um, I, I found this uh, one pastor wrote a six page letter to his elders about a situation in the church. The context was so vague that no one was without confusion. This is a way to maintain control and domination. So when you confront, when you confront a person with the Jezebel spirit, the subject may be changed five or six times in one minute. That spirit will keep changing the subject so much so until you're confused. What did I come here to talk to you about? Uh, So this confusion keeps keeps them um, undiscovered and unexposed. Six, the spirit will volunteer for anything. Jezebel volunteers in order to establish control. That spirit, he or she seemingly has endless energy and eagerly looks for opportunities to be in charge of projects. Although he or she will work hard, their motive is never pure, and eventually the secret agenda can't be hidden. Eventually, Jezebel had to say, I'm in charge. I'll kill you. I'll deal with you. I'll steal the vineyard. You won't do it. I'll do it. Jezebel is a liar. And she is a convincing, he or she is a convincing liar. No one can lie better than someone that has a Jezebel spirit. They can turn on the charm, make you believe blue is red. Hallelujah. Always fools those whom they've just met while those who have been victimized by the tactics stand by helplessly. The fact that Jezebel can look you in the eye and lie just shows how strong and adamant this rebellious spirit is. I'm going to stop there. I said I would do 10, but I'll just do seven. uh, And I'll come back to uh, the church in Thyatira because I I want to uh, dig deeper into this um, and drop some nuggets also uh, concerning Jezebel being loose in the house and what we need to do to fight against it. And again, uh, it's, it's not just a woman thing. Uh, the spirit functions just as proficiently through men. Uh, and, but God says, repent. You allowed her to come in here. Repent and get her out of my house. If you don't, I'll come in there. Because remember, he says, I see everything. That's the flaming eyes, and I'm coming with judgment. That's the brazen feet, and I'll kill the babies. I'll destroy everything Jezebel has set up in my house. You have to get rid of it. Hallelujah. If you don't get rid of it, I'll have to deal with it. 
And if I deal with it, how you? And he says, I even gave her space to repent. And she would not. Hallelujah. There were things uh, that have infiltrated the church that our Lord is not pleased with. And how did that spirit get there? We either let the spirit in or we brought him in with us. So it behooves us to make sure, uh, make our calling and election sure and make sure that we are who God wants us to be. He tells us to be spiritual. They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. A letter from Jesus, and we've dealt a little bit with Thyatira, that corrupt church, that church that allowed Jezebel to wreak havoc and to bring all kinds of heresy and seduction and twisting. Hallelujah. God is calling for repentance. Be my church, no one else's church. Be my people, no one else's people. Be my children, no one else's children. I'm going to stop here. Father, we love you tonight, and we're so grateful for what you have allowed us to hear and discuss. And I pray, Father, that we have stimulated thoughts and we have brought some even to repentance some who have come to examine themselves and say, Lord, I want to be pleasing in your sight. I, I, I don't want to be mixed up in anything that is not pleasing to you. Help us, Lord. You're talking to your children. You're getting ready to come. And when judgment comes, it starts first in the house of God. Help us to be all you would have us to be. Forgive us, Lord. If you see anything in us that should not be, we pray for our leadership today, that our leadership will stand tall on your word. Hallelujah. And hold back and rebuke the works of Satan and declare your truth, declare your holiness. Help us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray a special prayer. and We haven't done it in a while, but if you have a special request, uh, someone in your family that you want us to pray for, put their name in the comment section so we can develop an electric prayer line. Perhaps they need to be healed. Perhaps they need salvation. Perhaps uh, they need deliverance. Put their name in the comment section so we can pray a special prayer concerning them. One by one, we know God is able. One by one, to the utmost, Jesus saves. And if you have a special request, something that you'd like me to lay on the altar, Send that request in admin at grtdc.org and I will include it with my other prayer requests and we'll lay it on the altar as we pray to the Lord. We're in this 21-day fast. We started on the 9th and we're fasting all the way through the 30th of January. And won't you, if you haven't joined us yet, join in on this fast. We're fasting from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily eating that one meal a day. Those of you who are on medication, you need to take medicine, use the Daniel fast. That's no meats, no sweets. Uh, in the book of Daniel, I believe it's chapter three, they didn't eat the king's meat. They only ate pulse, meaning vegetables and other, uh, and fruits, but no meats, no sweets. Hallelujah. Just 
just turn your plate down and let's call on the name of the Lord. We're believing him for miracles. Oh, yes, we are. The names, uh, as they roll in, Father, in the name of Jesus, you see those uh, who are on this electronic prayer line. We pray for them, for their salvation, for their strength, for their healing. Hallelujah. Whatever the need is, we know that you're able to supply. We thank you for it. We also ask that you would bless those who are about to plant seed in this ministry. Oh, God, take that seed and bring forth harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. Technician will put that on the screen, how you can plant that seed. Those who want to pay their tithes, you want to give an offering. Those of you in the Bronx at RTA, you may use Givelify. All right, I've used up enough of your time, and I apologize for being so long on today. But we'll be back in Thyatira on next week. Yes, so consider next week part 4B. Uh, and we'll continue with Jezebel and talk about the overcomer. Uh, and those who have not given in to her seduction, we're going to dig even deeper on next week. Why don't you join me? But until then... Be careful, be prayerful, and be holy. Shalom, shalom.